0: Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Rowe. Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We're going to have a look back at all the premiership action from the weekend. The lads are going to analyse Warren Gatlin's British and Irish Lions squad. Plus, we're going to have a chat to one man who was a bit of a surprise pick to many, but not the experts on this show, of course. Gloucester, Scotland, and now British and Irish Lions centre, Chris Harris, is joining us. Yeah! So turn up the volume, shut out the noise, subscribe to Spotify, and enjoy the show.
2: This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth, plus view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can scare an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes.
3: How's your week been, lads? A big day today from what I'm hearing. Producer Tim gave us some news just before we came live on air that the world's opening back up if you're in England, if your world is in England. So, Andrew, that's good, isn't it? That means that we can maybe see each other again properly. We didn't see each other this Friday, did we? I was meant to come down this Friday, and then because I went out for a few beers with John Barkley a couple of days before, and we sat outside and we were freezing, there was no music, there was no vibe, I thought... I ain't wasting a green card coming down to see Goody for work and sitting outside in the pishing doon reen, although I wouldn't flinch if it was getting rained on, and <laughs> I ain't wait I ain't wasting a green card on that, Andrew. But yeah, just just quiet. It's the calm before the storm, lads, isn't it? <laughs> it's the calm before the storm. Andrew, but I did see on your social media that you went to hell on earth at the weekend. Well, this Lego is your.
0: Th- this is what I'm holding. I'm not happy with you, Jim, to be honest, because we'd arranged for some work on Friday, um, and I'd obviously cleared it with the uh, the gaffer in the house, which is myself. I've just said, that's what I'm doing, so deal with it. Slash said, Carolyn, please might go uh, out with Jim for a few beers socially. We have got some work to talk about, and she's like, "Yeah, of course you can on Friday." So Jim cancels on me. I tell the missus, I was like, "Oh yeah, we're not. Me- I'm not meeting Jim now on Friday." So. Um, free to do anything she's like right let's go to legoland oh my legoland is what i'm saying hell on earth yeah mate the kids absolutely loved it i'm on crutches i've done seven thousand steps on crutches still and i am absolutely hanging out my ass i thought about you jim every ride i'm going on my knees around my ears because i'm too big for the rides too wide too tall and i'm thinking imagine jim being here with his four kids screaming so I'm absolutely slippered from going to Legoland on Friday. It took me a couple of days to recover. gets worse, though. Saturday, we had a chilled day, took the kids swimming, a few jobs around the house, and took the kids out to play.
3: What do you mean, jobs around the house?
0: Well, I just had to go to the tip and drop some stuff off. So kids in the back, pull up at the tip. The bloke's like, what you got? I said, mate, I've got loads of cardboard and two screaming kids. I want to keep the cardboard, but bin the kids off. (laughs) (laughs) And it gets worse. Sunday, we've gone to the farm. There's a farm near us called Odds Farm Park, which is really good, actually. Um, there's loads of stuff for the kids to play on, a big sandpit, loads of climbing frames and slides and all this stuff. The kids absolutely love it. Hell on earth. Love Hell on it. earth. Until, until about halfway through the day, and the missus has gone, right, uh, I'm just going to go and get some ice cream. Do you want an ice cream? I'm like, fucking two right I do. Get me a super-sized strawberry as big as you can carry. And so off she goes. I'm in the sandpit with the twins. I'm playing with Isabella. Olivia's around the corner somewhere. All I hear is a piercing scream. And you know when you recognize your own kid's scream? You hear other kids scream, you're like, that's not my kid, I don't care. When you hear your own kid scream, I'm like, oh my God, where's the nanny? Was my first thought. I'm like, where is she? I'm like, it's a weekend. So she got that. I'm like, where's Pablo? Oh, fuck. I had to furlough Pablo, send him back to Portugal. He's back in
3: soon. He's back in soon. So,
0: so basically, it's just me. And Olivia comes running over to me. She's been stung in the chin by a honeybee and the reason i know it's a honeybee because the stinger was still in there if it was a wasp wasps just go in and out and fuck off don't they they sting you and
3: you are such a bee wasp expert to say that i know
0: i know but she's screaming her head off the missus is off getting ice creams. it takes her half an hour to get back i'm like are you taking the piss love how long does it take to get an ice cream (laughs) yeah so uh yeah it was a family weekend of fun and then screaming a couple of other things andrew before we
3: get moving on this we know it was a big week last week and i'm sure andy rowe will allude to that soon but firstly from my point of view i've got an apology to make for the millions of you that were going to come out to watch myself and andy rowe and gorgeous chris do the eating mess on saturday i'm out lads i'm out to try i'm out i'm out the triathlon yeah i've pulled pulled a calf you've pulled your calf i I know i'm a surprised you ain't got
0: any calves to pull son what are you talking about i'm surprised it's you (laughs) I've seen more muscle on a fucking chicken's legs than your calves. What are you talking about?
3: Well, guilty as charged. One of them's been pulled. That's all I know. It might it might be broke. I don't know. If, there, if it isn't a muscle, it's a broken leg because I ain't running is all I'm saying. So apologies for the millions of you that were coming out to watch the mess at the weekend. That's one thing. And the other thing is a congratulations, Andrew. You are going to be back at work soon aren't you they're opening things back up but i'm worried because you're high are you still classed as high risk or not are you getting back to work (laughs) big boris has announced we can have cuddles i don't know what else you can do but people are going back to work high risk andrew are you going back to work
0: mate i'm 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 probably classified as high risk and it's you know we, we joke on here and we mess around but my brother had his uh vaccination and he he got some uh, blood clots on his lungs a few weeks after. So my old man's got a few heart difficulties that he's had for many years. I, I'm high. I ain't up for getting on the tube again, boys and girls. Not yet anyway. Not until I've had the double jab. And the AstraZeneca one apparently um, can cause blood clots. So I'm, I, I classify myself as high risk. So uh, You
3: are definitely... I can tell you now, just even looking at you, you don't need to go into any detail. <laughs> you are high risk. If you're a worker listening, <laughs> I've got visuals on you. And as you are looking better, but you need to be very careful. But my good self... I'm leaving the house. I'm I'm out. I can't do this any longer. So we're waiting for the holiday. I don't know why they call it. What they call them? Corridor, travel corridors to open. Mm. Well, they Um, came out on
0: Friday. And basically you can go to the Falklands or New Zealand where New Zealand won't let us in. So we can't fucking go on holiday. Falklands it is.
1: (laughs) You guys uh, had a... Watched the, uh, the British and Irish Lions squad live uh, on Thursday, but you've had a few days now to digest it. What do you make of it overall? out
3: in the know is my good self. A lot of people, and I was worried, lads. I've lost a lot of credibility in the last year. A what? lot of credit. Yeah, I know. I'm as surprised as you. <laughs> mainly about Alan Wynne-Jones. Mainly about Alan Wynne-Jones and a couple of other people and only naming one Welshman in. I named Nick Tompkins. A year ago, I named Nick Tompkins in the Lions squad as the only Welshman. But when the squad got announced, I've peeled back a lot of credibility, I think, because I picked all the Scots to go apart from Rory Sutherland because I thought he was injured. Stevie Ferris gave us some insight that he spoke to his agent and said he was fit. But lads... Absolutely nailed it. I don't know where you want to go, Andy Rowe. There were some big calls in there. A talking point from the weekend is the one around Carl Sinclair not going. For me, I had Xander Ferguson, I had Andrew Porter and Tug Furlong all day long. In me, it wasn't even a question. So I'm sure we can get onto the Carl Sinclair interaction after his performance for Bristol's at the weekend. Second row, I changed from James Ryan to Ian Henderson. On reflection... Johnny Gray should be going. Instead of Johnny Hill, I don't know if you've had his cider, it is disgusting. <laughs> this rib rib tickler, we've asked him to come on, it's disgusting. He ain't coming on, he's boycotted us. The rib tickler stinks. It doesn't really, it's actually really nice. <laughs> but arguably, you could say that Johnny Gray should go ahead of Johnny Hill. On the whole, when you look at it, he's made some big, big calls, right? And he's picked guys that played in the Six Nations, right? He's picked. People that are on form, and yeah. he's picked Sam Simmons. Goody was chomping at the bit to get Sam Simmons. Everyone was talking about it, and that's a ballsy call. So from a, for a forwards perspective, when you look at the makeup of the squad, the players on form, players that deserve to go, and players with the appetite to go. Like Joe Marler puts a tweet out like after saying that he was underwhelmed by the squad going out, and he's obviously pissed off that he's not going. Mate, you don't deserve to go. You've not played in the Six Nations. You've pulled yourself out of there for family reasons, completely get that. There. there can't be an expectation with you that now says, I want to go on a Lions tour. I should go on a Lions tour ahead of who. Not that he is saying that, but I had him in my squad. And I think it's right that he doesn't go. And it's the right decision for me with the tight heads that he's picked. The hookers were never in doubt. You know, no one really stepped up to push Ken Owens, uh, Jamie George and um, Luke D- Karen Dickey out the way. And... Um, Yeah, I think there'll be some lads that will be naturally disappointed. But I think across the forwards, I'd say I'm pretty happy. James Ryan is obviously going to be devastated, right? But unfortunately for him, you know, the Six Nations didn't play that well. And then he got injured and he had a big opportunity for Leinster. Ian Henderson's a test match animal. Gatlin almost seems to have gone with what he knows. And Goody will chat about the backs. Elliot Daly, who would have thought?
0: Uh, you look back on the squad now and we all got romantic around who we think should go who's on form who plays who's played really well in the six nations and all this stuff but in reality not many people thought about it from Gatlin's point of view and that's all that matters it's what I tried to say last week but Gatlin's idea of how they're going to beat South Africa you know you're, you're talking Johnny compare Johnny Gray and Johnny Hill I'm not saying Johnny Gray isn't physical, but I see Johnny Hill as more physical than Johnny Gray. Like, he'll go and try and belt someone. Admittedly, you know, he, sometimes he can get it wrong. I think it was the Leinster game when he caught someone high-ish. But Johnny Gray is a workhorse, but a lot of them are soak-up tackles. They're not massive ball carries where you've got someone like Johnny Hill who's an out-and-out athlete. Like, he's a spring chicken at times, isn't he? He's sprinting around on a weird-looking body because he's so big. and it. But he's physical, he's athletic. Uh, and I think that's what was the difference in that selection? Johnny Hill is a lineout caller, right? Yeah, um, and he's
3: massive, like you said. Courtney Laws is another one in that kind of mould, and you can see with what he's done. I think with Johnny Gray, it must have been cl- it must have been
0: close. Yeah, but in Gatland's mind, you look down the squad, and then you go into the backs, and you go, you know, we're going to chat with Chris Harris and a bit. Chris Harris, having played with him, he's a big lad. He's powerful. He goes and makes big hits. Bundyaki. No one saw Bundyaki coming at all, did they? Um, you know, I had when you write your list, you uh, wrote down a list of all the players I had four centres that I picked um, in my squad, and looking back on it, it was pretty stupid of me to pick these four centres. I went Ringrose, Henry Slade, Jonathan Davis and Robbie Henshaw. The only kind of muscular beast in that is Robbie Henshaw. So, uh, it was romantically I wanted to see Slade and, and Ringrose play because I love the way they play rugby, but it doesn't necessarily suit Gatsy's mould of player where they know they're going to have to be monstrously physical to beat South Africa because what's coming from South Africa, huge units. So you do need a balance of something different to beat South Africa, I think, um, but you're looking at Bundiaki's selection, people are like, where's that come from? Well, Aki, were well, you watching play, hard as fuck, his ball skills are ridiculous. At the game line, offloading game, he goes and smashes people. Yes, he got sent off for a, against England um, for a, a tackle that was too high, his techniques, and there is that risk. But you're going to need physical athletes like that. Elliot Daly comes in at 13. You've got a small, smaller squad. You've got a 37-man squad. You're in a bubble. You need players that can cover different positions. Elliot Daly, hybrid kind of player, can play wing, fullback, centre. He's down as a centre, I think. Uh, but we also know he's going to play on the wing potentially potentially fullback as well if there are injuries he's a guy that can you know withstand a load of games he plays a hell of a lot of rugby so you know he's durable um and he's got his howitzer sort of a left boot that could be you know at altitude if you get to a test match you know let's not forget he kicked a monstrous penalty i think in the third test against new zealand south africa you're giving penalties around on your own ten meter line i'm telling you now at, at altitude I've played at altitude, I've kicked at altitude. Elliot Daly can bang him over from halfway between the 10 metre line and his own 22. That is a string in his bow that no one else has got. So we're, we're all romantically picking our squads of what we think, from our opinion, are players on form and playing well and who should go. But all that matters is Gats and his mindset of he wants big physical players in certain positions. You know, you look at people talk about this the whole Carl Sinclair thing. Xander Fagerson, phenomenal in every facet of the game. Um, I had Carl Sinclair down to be in the squad, but I hadn't necessarily thought about it. It was just, that was maybe my mind saying, well, he went on the last lines tour. He's a good player, blah, blah, blah. But then, Jim, you convinced me. You were like, he's on the bench for John Arfora for Bristol most of the time. Like, he's second choice there. He didn't really have a decent Six Nations. You know, so how are you picking him? Um, and you're right. I should have listened to you, Jim. You are the oracle. How many did you get right then? Let, let's ask our producer, Tim. How many did you get right out of the 36?
3: Well, I'm not too sure, but I think it was 29.
0: You knows your ruggers, right? You knows your ruggers.
3: I knows the ruggers.
0: You've gone from six months ago, nine months ago, people going, "Who's this, Jim Hamilton?" He hasn't got a clue. Writing off Alan Jones, writing off the Welsh, writing off people left, right, and centre. To now,
3: it's it comes when it matters. That I mean, the build-up doesn't matter. It's like when you're about to get married, right? You ain't married until. You're married, right? You ain't married until you're there and you say, I do. You can be going in the background, oh, I don't know, yeah. You know, is this the right decision? Will I be allowed to go on lads' holidays? How many more stag do's have I got left in me? <laughs> How much is this going to cost me? And it doesn't matter. All that doesn't matter what happens behind the scenes. The minute you say I do and the minute I put my pen to paper and my mouth to the mic last week, and gave you my team, you know, it's there. It's there, and, and look, humbly, I absolutely smashed it, lads. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but it's not about me. I think one thing it shows, and again, we did speak about it last week, and we spoke about it in the lead-up, is the romance around the Lions Tour yeah. and the way in which these players find out. We've been there before. I've been there before. I don't know if I've told you before in 2013. It is horrid. Yeah. waiting it must be unbelievable to be the elite of the elite you know your maru atojis you know your alan win jones uh your owen farrells and stuff like that where well, you know you're going right you're the elite yeah. of the elite the be- the other good ones are are the ones that you don't think you've got a chance mm. do you know what i mean and it must have been tough for the players that, that didn't get picked it, you know, there's an embarrassment around it you know there's an embarrassment around thinking you're going to go people telling you you're going to go Reading all the news and the lead up to it and people that you're in their squads, whether or not you say it or you're not, your parents, your friends, your agents, do you know what I mean? If you're Dan Bigger, your wife, you listen, you read it, and that's life. And then if it doesn't come through, it's horrible. It is yeah. like, it, it's it, you're gutted because it's the pinnacle. And that's
0: what I enjoyed about last week, the build up and seeing the reactions. Matt, I completely agree. You know, we were there uh, with a the live announcement doing a bit of content and... I was buzzing. It was unbelievable. You can see how much the Lions mean to people. People have asked the question, is the Lions an important part of rugby moving forward? You know, this whole battle around players and international windows. The Lions, as Jim just said, is the absolute pinnacle for any player and every player in the world that is has the ability to qualify for the Lions. So an Englishman, a Scotsman, a Welshman, an Irishman, you are desperate when those four years come round to be in that squad by hook or by crook. So, you know, I love Thursday. The announcement, you know, you're buzzing, you're seeing the, the list come out, you're seeing the players, how they react. They're hearing about it for the first time. It's only going to build for the Lions tour now, the excitement of it. And there's loads of rugby to go between now and actually that first game when they get together. And there's going to be changes to the squad, but you see how much it means to people. The British, London, Irish Lions is it's so important to, to the rugby calendar, whether you're, You know, any player from the Four Nations, any fan from the Four Nations or any fan from probably across the globe, you know, whether you're South African, Australian, New Zealander, every four years, it is something that everyone wants to watch and be part of. So uh, long may it continue.
1: Well, we can have a chat now with a man whose name was read out on Thursday and who's looking forward to going on his first British and Irish Lions tour. Gloucester and Scotland Centre, Chris Harris, joins us. How are you, mate?
4: I'm very well. Thank you for having me. How
0: are you? We're very good, mate. I just need to rewind to Thursday because there's so much build-up. Um, you know, From the outside, Jim and myself, we're trying to put ourselves in the position of players now. Firstly, did you have an inkling that you were in the mix? Did you get that email or that letter that was originally there? And then secondly, just talk us through the emotion because we saw the video of uh, the announcement with all the Gloucester boys and how much carnage it w- was in there. They must have been so chuffed for you, obviously, but your personal feelings?
4: Yes, yeah, so so I had, I had the email to say, oh, you're in contention. Because there's, there's a load of stuff going on in the media about how Chris Harris lines this, lines that. And I was just sort of trying to like ignore it because I didn't really want to think about it, to be honest. And then I got that email, which was two weeks before the announcement, I think it was. And I was just like, oh, shit, there's a chance. You're saying um, there's a chance? You're saying there's a chance. <laughs> um, but like, even still then, I was like, I didn't want to sort of like think that it was going to happen to sort of, if it didn't happen, then I'd fall off this cliff. So like, I was just sort of, Tried to sort of bat it off. Even boys were like nudge me, being like, "Do you get the email? Do you get the email?" And I was just like, "Oh no, 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 no!" Just because didn't I didn't want any of that. But yeah, so like in terms of being in the squad, like I had no idea. And honestly, as the names were coming up, it went Bundiaki, Cameron the When it got to daily, I was like, "Right, there's two centre, there's two centre options." So I was just like, "Oh well, maybe not." And then as Chris Harris came, it was like it was like Chris Hutt, and then all the boys were like, "Oh!" Like on me. So I just didn't really have. Honestly, I was just in shock. Like, absolute shock. That was my initial feeling. And then, obviously, my phone was blowing up. And um, I think I, I called I called my girlfriend straight up. And she was just looking at me like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I was just like I, was like, I feel exactly the same. I, I, honestly, I was in utter shock. And it probably took a couple of days just to like sink in. And honestly, like, it's such an amazing feeling.
3: I'm getting goosebumps listening to it. We, we've spoken about it. We were chatting about it before in terms of being the pinnacle. And I think that anyone who questions... Um, Is there a place for the Lions? Just need to look at the build-up from last week and look at the reactions of players. I mean, it's one of them, Chris, you obviously play in the Six Nations. There was a couple of massive wins for us against England and obviously France. And people are still saying, oh, well, Scotland finished fourth. And they're trying to look at it. It was the the away performances that obviously secured. it. Warren Gatlin speaks about players that can perform away from home. So at the end of the Six Nations, when it's all said and done, it obviously turns... So then the opportunity to go on the British and Irish Lions tour and get the opportunity. Was there any part of you in the lead-up to that thinking, you know, you might have done enough? Because I know there's a humility around it, right? But you're going to be looking at players in your position. You're going to be looking at your form, how you played in that game against France, which was exceptional. And obviously, you know, we've all seen Carl Sinclair's interview at the weekend after the game. And, you know, the disappointment is real. You're in that room with the lads and, you know, you're thinking there is a chance, but you're not too sure... Whether you're going to go, you know, Mara you we know, Owen Farrell's definitely going to go, Connor Murray, these names. Again, just like, how is that? For, is it like the best day of your life? Is that how it no, feels?
4: No, that def- definitely is the best. But like, as I say, like, it was more like the best day of my life was probably a couple of days after when I've like allowed it to all sink in and reflect on it. Because at the time, I was just like mind blown. So, like, once it all sunk in, I was like, wow, we, this is properly special, isn't it? Like, like I could I didn't even imagine like during the Six Nations, like it was it wasn't like I wasn't even thinking about that. I have I've, ne- I've ne- like, it's cliche as, but I never think more than like a week or two ahead, like I just keep myself focused in that in that way. And that's how I get the best out of myself. Like, that's why I was so mind blown, just because I wasn't expecting it at all. Um but obviously now like seeing boys like like Carl Sinker's reaction, how much it means to them and how devastated they are. Like it just, it really just makes you you think even harder. And you look at the boys having even been selected and you're like, wow, what an absolute honor.
0: You obviously found out the news with your teammates and then uh, you had to go out and train again, did you? How are you training after being announced as a British Lion? And you surely know,
3: you're <laughs> saying, Chaz, that keep I don't want to go out. I'm on the what bike now from literally to the day I get on the plane. Oh,
4: mate. Yeah, it was like as I said, it's such a weird one. I was out for a week with my shoulders anyway, so I didn't actually have to do the training. I just had like a running session, just a bit of fitness. And when it was announced, I was out, so I was on the phone to a couple of people, and then Skibs came running out, and he's like, "Oh mate, congratulations, mate!" Yeah. And I was just like, "Cheers, like, <laughs> I was like, oh, geez, Skibs. I, was like I, "I don't even know what to think." And he's like, "Mate, enjoy it. Take your time. Don't don't rush to get to training. We'll we'll see you when you get there." And I was like, "Oh, spot on. So just potted about for a bit and just sort of just got that shock out of the way and went down and then obviously all the boys were just congratulate me and stuff like that so like it was bizarre man but I just got I got on with the running and did the running and, yeah and then when I went when I got home went out for a meal with the missus and had a couple of drinks but I'm still a bit shocked now to be honest. Right, I'm
3: absolutely pumped for you I've, I've been back in your corner having watched the way that you've played and I think there's a part of it as well not just the way that you know, Scotland have played and yourself have played defensively and the task that's going to be ahead with South Africa. But I think having a couple of the Scotland coaches in the mixer now with Gregor Townsend and obviously Steve Tandy, who's running the defence for Scotland, did they chat to you about anything? I mean, Warren Gatland, has he said anything to you or not? Or was it, is it just no head down?
4: No, but I didn't hear a word. Obviously, After the announcement, I just I got a message off, off Gregor and Steve just saying, oh, congratulations sort of thing. Um, but apart from that, I've not not really spoke to anyone. Apart from the the emails, like the itinerary stuff. There's not really been anything else, but I think it's still sort of dust still settling a little bit, I think. And then I think there's a there's a meetup in a couple of weeks, so I'm sure there'll be be a bit more chat then. But yeah, like it's a it's a it's a it's a weird one, like. Just need to get back on back on task with Gloucester still, don't we? It's still like you forget there's still but well, you don't forget. But there's still another four games to go, isn't
0: it? And how are your shoulders? Because they they must have started hurting a few years back when we played together at Newcastle, <laughs> and, you, and you were making my tackles. I
4: was, I was thinking about this earlier today, actually. About this, I just remember this one moment where, where you were in a, def- a defensive set, and you were just slowly like want like getting yourself out to the wing, and then I was like, <laughs> you were just standing on the edge, and I was like, Dude, "What the fuck are you
1: doing?" <laughs> I love how you said
0: slowly. Oh. Funny, oh, mate, not, it used to be a sprint to get to the wing, so I couldn't make any tackles. But yeah, mate, there was just no need.
4: Big presence in the middle.
0: So the shoulder's all right. You'll be back playing soon for Gloucester because obviously, you know, with with the game at the weekend, the boys had a hell of a performance, but you were obviously rested with the shoulder. Are you, you all good to go?
4: Nah I should, should be good to go this week. Just do a little bit of contact, see that, how that is. But if it's not right, obviously, like, I think it'd be stupid to, to force it, but... Mate, just, just see how we go this week. It's a Monday night game, isn't it, So We're not in until Wednesday anyway, so it's still still a good amount of
3: time and uh, the boys were class at the weekend for gloucester great win uh, franklin's gardens against northampton are a really good team as well and your this sounds great your british and irish lions teammate uh, lewis reese Zammit was class in that game as well and obviously his video went a little bit viral as well i mean his did his brother have a bet or something that he was going to go when he was about 12 and he's he's, he's made let's just say he's made a million pounds or something he's a millionaire uh, now yeah he's a millionaire <laughs> off the back of it smart call <laughs> But how good was it seeing him go? You obviously play with him, and he—you he, know—it's difficult, like you said, to even get up for a running session. But he was class at the weekend when he played as well.
4: He's been brilliant, hasn't he? To be fair to him, um, he's one of the—he's a, he's a confidence player, isn't he? And that's just boosted him up a, a little bit more. Um, but I'll, I'll make sure I'll—I'll I'll, I'll bring him back down to earth when when we're back in on Wednesday, I reckon. But he's—he's uh, he's, he's, he's a good lad, and he's just—he's just playing so well, and just to see him go from what what the last 12 months when he was first on the scene, he was so raw. Um, he had so much to work on, I and mean, honestly, after a couple of camps with Wales or whatever it was, like he just come back like a complete different player, like like an he's like an experienced player, and that's brilliant. And it's, he's been brilliant for us, so. um, and he's still only what what is he twenty?
0: About fourteen, I think.
4: City, the the talent
0: he's got, man. Let's talk about you then, mate. Because obviously, over the last year, eighteen months is where you've really stepped up at international level and been sort of starting regularly. Um, and now you're you played that well that you're on the British and Irish Lions tour. Do you feel? That your international rugby now is is something that you're used to, and um, or do you still sort of pinch yourself every time you put on the Scotland jersey? Because Scotland's performances, and Jim and I joke about it a lot in here, but they have gone through the roof over the last year, and you know you've been a huge part of that for the, the team as well.
4: Yeah, like like when when I first started playing for Scotland, I, that's that's when I was I let the let the occasions get the better of me. I think. When i sort of, when I, when I sort of mentioned it before, just about focusing on the task. I like just keep yourself focused on the task at hand. Like I used to let everything get to me a bit too much. And that was my like barrier, if you like. And so once I sort of got over that, when I was playing, I just sort of made sure that it was, this is, this, it's not just another game, but like, it's a game of rugby, do what you're good at. You're here because you're good at this and that, so just go and do it. So like, yes, like again, like after after games and stuff, you're like, oh, that was, that was class, that's special. Like you, you let the moment get back to you after the game sort of thing. Um, so I do pinch myself after, but not like during the game I've learned from previous previous games just to just to keep myself focused in, in each moment within the game and that's how I sort of get through it and that's how I get the best best out of myself and I think that's been been working for me.
3: We were chatting about young Lewis, for example, at the age of twenty, doing what he's doing now and obviously talking about yourself with the apprenticeship that you've had at Tyndale in National One, I think you're around twenty-three, twenty-four. I think Rotherham as well. Did you play for Rotherham?
4: So Tyndale was when I was still at still at uni. Finished there at 22, and then went did a did a year with Newcastle with gammy shoulders. So I didn't really do a lot, and then I got another year, and that's when I went to Rotherham. So I would have been what 23, uh, and then debuted. My prem debut was a couple of days before my 24th birthday.
3: You know, if you're knocking about in the lower leagues at 23, 24. It gives these other young lads, or you know, lads that are in their twenties, a
4: bit of light at the end of the tunnel. You know, I definitely it's just, it's just not really giving up on it, is it really? Like, I think I was different because I wasn't, I wasn't signed at Rotherham, so like, I was learned out. So it's probably a bit different. But like, if you, as long as you you work hard, and that, I think you get that. Like, I've, I hang my hat on my work, my work rate, my work ethic, and I think that's kind of what's got me there. But Rotherham was class. I really enjoyed my time there. Um, I only did maybe six months right up until that sort of prem debut. And then I sort of stayed at Newcastle and I was in, I was in and out, in and out. And then, and then Goody came, I think. Oh, that was it. The rest <laughs> is history.
0: You just said you hang your hat on your work rate and your work ethic. That must've been something that I taught you, was it?
4: Oh definitely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the work rate from the bloody dugout in the in the training weeks. <laughs> <laughs> just shouting stuff. <laughs> Honestly, man, this, this, this geezer flies up there, play. You fly up in the morning though and you come come to training, but poor Craig Willis, he's out there training Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, <laughs> and you just rock up on the Saturday and get all the glory. <laughs> With his Louis Vuitton handbag as
3: well.
0: <laughs> <was> Louis Vuitton <laughs> handbag, mate. Oh, mate,
4: goodness.
0: someone had to keep us up. Someone had to keep Newcastle up, and it was uh, it was good fun. It was good fun. Well, I, I, have you heard much about? You said you got the itinerary and, and, and a few emails. Do you know how the tour 's going to work at all? Because one of the big things, and I know. I'm not going to say that you're, you know, just all about going out on nights out, but we had a couple of decent nights out in Newcastle. Um, part of being a, a new team, part of the Lions experience is being able to bond and and go out and, and have a few drinks together. Um, uh, have you heard much about how it's going to work? Because we're hearing about bubbles and the difficulty of that. And do you have, or do you want to share with anyone and our millions of listeners, do you have a, a kind of party piece that you can bring to the the table for the Lions tour that you can <laughs> I'm make party. yourself a legend?
4: I haven't got a party piece that I can share with the uh, with the listeners. Uh um, oh, you can share
0: anything on here, mate. Oh, uh, no, nah, man, you we'll have, <laughs> we'll have to ask someone else.
4: <laughs> mate, I, in terms of the itinerary, I, I've not heard much more. Like you know what I mean? Like it's just meet up on this date and then the tour starts this day. I don't know anything else. So I presume maybe that first date we would meet up to so a piss up. I don't know. I think I think there will be. Yeah, but I presume that, that we'll we'll find out more. It went in a couple of weeks. I think they'll they'll explain everything on on that day. So
0: they'll see your party piece though. I (laughs) dunno. Stop stop saying peace. Stop saying peace. That's the old that's the the old the old rugby pod. Um
3: has anyone give you a heads up of of, of potentially what to expect? Obviously, Billy Twelve Trees, who we announced on this podcast a couple of years ago, Chris. I don't know if you know that he changed his name to Twelve Trees because his surname was Shite and his dad's a tree surgeon. That's a, that's a fact. I'm telling you now. Um, but he got called up in 2013, the tour arguably where I should have should have went.
4: Um, <laughs> has he give you any insight? I need I need a chat to him properly about it. So I haven't I haven't seen him properly yet. But he's. When when it was announced he came up to me and he was just like you're so buzzing for me, he was like, mate, you're gonna absolutely love it. Like I'm so happy for you. It's gonna be an unbelievable summer. Make sure you make sure he's like, make sure you enjoy it. So then I, he went he went in the middle, didn't he? He went mid tour, didn't
2: he? Um, yeah.
4: And I think I think he, he I think he said that he was all he, he focused almost a bit more on the rugby as opposed to the the touring side, do you know what I mean? Nah, nah, nah. I don't respect the man anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So I think there's definitely a balance. Man, I'm just, honestly, I'm so excited.
3: And you'll be there with some familiar faces as well from the Scotland squad. And there's a lot of talk about this. Eight Scotland players. And again, not that I am the Oracle. I picked 29 out of 36 or 37-man squad. And I picked seven of the Scots. I didn't realise Rory Sutherland was fit. But that's unbelievable, really, isn't it? And I think a lot of people who haven't seen Scottish rugby would be like, oh, you know, Xander Fagerson's going, for example, who I think is class. Um, like, how good is that for you that they're going to know you'll, you'll be mates with some of the England lads as well, I'm sure. But um, to get a, a, a large number of Scots, we've joked about it before, it's usually the kit man and the, the doctor plus one. you know. <laughs> uh, whereas now we've got a decent showing of actually some world-class players.
4: No, I think it's, I, I think that just, it comes off the back of off a brilliant Six Nations, isn't it? I know you said we should finish fourth, but and Goody, like the performances have been up there, so I think just off the back of that, like like everyone was holding their hand up. But like going into camp, like knowing a few a few faces, it will definitely make it easier. Because I think when I went into Scotland camp for the first time, the very first time, I didn't know anybody, and that that was definitely it was a little bit more difficult to sort of get get into the group because it was like a bulk of Glasgow boys, bulk of bulk of Edinburgh boys, and it sort of took a little bit longer to get in, get involved really so it's definitely it's nice it's nice knowing knowing that there's there's eight boys that seven seven of the boys that, that I already know and it would make it easier just to sort of mingle in wouldn't it
1: Are there any players that you've watched from afar that you're excited to play with or that you
4: yeah. I'm I'm interested to see what what Farrell's like um, around around the boys and what he's like So I know he's he's supposed to be really good with the rugby stuff and I'm quite interested to see what he's about and see see what I can, see what I can learn. Learn
3: off him. All I'm saying, Chris, is keep your hands up because he throws these balls really hard at at people's heads. And if you ain't got your hands up, if you ain't got your hands up, it could come off your forehead is all I'm saying. Just a, a few lines on Gloucester then. Obviously a load of changes there. As you know, as I know, phenomenal club. You know, the fans and stuff that go along with it. Great group of lads. You obviously, your now mates for my best mate, Ravo. Fifty Ravo's arm. Rayvo, and he,
4: he's a great boy, man.
3: He is, and um, a good group of young lads there. Young coaching staff, and it's been tough. It's been a, it, it, being at Gloucester is tough. There, there's always a lot of changes, but I think now what they've got with with Skivington, obviously at the helm, uh, Alex King. Um, Waldock as well, just to name a few. Obviously, Alex Brown now taking more of a managerial managerial role. Is it seems like the future actually is quite bright at the club.
4: Definitely is. There's a lot, as you said. There's a lot of youth, like like Zam and and sort of the rest, the rest of his little little, little group of minions that are that are sort of starting to play a little bit more. So from that perspective, it's brilliant. Hayster coming in uh, as a, as another ten option alongside alongside Lloyd George Barton. They're all like young tens and then there's there's obviously the few few of the older boys I think I'm an older boy now <laughs> just goes like that doesn't it um but yeah like and, and the coaches are all all young as well and like they're still keen keen to learn and like it's it's very much sort of one group and I think that's that's brilliant and what I wasn't used to being up at Newcastle it wasn't quite like that as, mu- as much as I love Newcastle but it was it's very very everyone's very sort of approachable and and keen keen to learn new ideas off each other and and uh we were getting there we were building and building and we were sort of we were only a couple of points off of getting another couple of wins So, uh, like like the, the potential is there and as you see as you've seen on the on the weekend against northampton like that was just a brilliant performance yeah yeah you can say oh northampton didn't turn up but i think the fact that what what we turned up with kind of kept them quiet didn't it
1: all right chris well thank you very much for coming on the show mate. And massive congratulations best of luck in south africa
4: thank
0: you very much cheers fellas enjoy it mate well done buddy make sure your party piece comes out <laughs> cheers mate Ta-da. thanks buddy top top bloke. lad yeah
3: he is he really is tell me is it is it what it says on the tin party piece
0: that's all i'm saying mate yeah lovely bloke good hair uh good looking boy he, he is quite shy actually um you know when i first went up to newcastle i was like Fuck it, I, I don't think he likes me um Which I got quite a lot with people, but he was just quiet, and then we got to know each other really well a few good nights out in newcastle and yeah you, you actually look back at his story, and people just see the selection Chris Harris Scotland, but like you said to him, then Jim Tyndale, Rotherham, then Newcastle back to Newcastle, you know he's gone through and grafted to get to you know his move to Gloucester once Newcastle got relegated, and you know fair play to him you know you hear what you're saying there around you know he gets carried he used to get carried away and you know he just focuses on the short term goals and that's got him to be a british and irish lion that is phenomenal uh, i'm dead chuffed for him he's a lovely bloke um you know he works ridiculously hard and uh yeah i think he's going to have a banging time um just make sure he gets his hands up to catch Farrell's pass cuz Jim didn't and he never spoke to you again did he simple as that <laughs>
2: Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddleboards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Goody, you thought
1: Jet Conan was in with a shout, but not many others did, did, did they?
0: Yeah, I mean, I actually, when I named my squad, I changed it after Leinster lost to La Rochelle. Uh, I thought Conan had a quieter game. And I, I flipped him out and flipped in Josh van der Flipper, Fleer.
3: I can see what you've done, because he's got his flip. It's like a flip, mm. yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I've disappointed in myself that I did, actually, because thinking about it, Josh van der Fleer is a seven, and you've got Tipper Slip, you've got Curry, you've got Hamish Watson, player of the Six Nations, etc. So why I swapped him out, I'll never know. But I did. And then you go back to his performance and just judge him on that performance against England in the Six Nations in the first half, especially as top route of the range one. player. Yeah. Mate, he was out he was he was hard, he was Route One at times. He was out in the wide channels, his footwork, his speed, his offloading game. Mate, he is a proper athlete and he's had a lot of unfortunate injuries along the way. So people perhaps are judging him more on the fact that he's been injured a bit as opposed to his actual rugby ability. But again, going to Warren Gatts, Gats knows, boys, doesn't he? Gatts knows a player, knows a player's capability. He spoke about it in terms of the what he needs from back rowers, and that was yards after contact, footwork. You know, If you go and route one China the whole time, just slow and ploddy, but trying to barrel South Africa, you ain't going to win. You need a difference, you need a bit of bulk, but you also need footwork and explosivity, and, and Conan's got that. And uh, yeah, really pleased for him.
3: He got the Sam Simmons one right, didn't he? My goodness me. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. What do you think, right? So when this is happening, because obviously Eddie Jones, he must be watching this unfold, right? He must be looking at it and thinking, which one of my boys are in there? And do you think it is like, excuse the French, fuck you, Eddie. Do you think (laughs) there's a part, do you think he feels that or not? It's like, because there's a lot of talk about Sam Simmons. There's been loads of talk, loads of talk. And it seems like, There's either a personality issue or there's something that's not right because not just you, not just me, not just everyone has spoken about how good Sam Simmons is. And we're thinking, well, are we getting a bit carried away? Like you said, Gats knows. And he's put his neck on the block and he's left some quality players out. You know, think of the players that he's left out. CJ Stander, Billy Vanapola, old Doris if he was back fit the way that he was playing before. To pick Sam Simmons, who's not played in the Six Nations, is a big call
0: in the sense of saying to Eddie Jones, ha! It's one of them. I don't think that Warren Gatlin's picked a player to go hat to Eddie Jones. But I also know that there's, there isn't much love lost between Eddie Jones and Warren Gatlin. You know, go back to the 2019 World Cup when they were having a little pop at each other. When Gat said that England had played their cup final by beating New Zealand. Eddie Jones comes back with good luck in the third, fourth place playoff. Gats was right. We played our cup final against New Zealand in the semi-final. (laughs) Um, So Gats knows. Uh, But yeah, listen, again, certain players suit certain environments don't know um, and certain visions of coaches. So Eddie Jones has gone down the line of, nah, he's not big enough for him. You know, even though every time Sam Simmons plays, he makes yard after yard after yard, scores tries, he's equalled the Premiership try scoring record uh, for the forward with the most tries so far. He's going to break the record. Hopefully he's got four games left to break the overall record and he needs two more tries to break that. But again, Eddie Jones uh, has got his mindset on how he wants England to play and how he thinks England can dominate and it hasn't worked in the Six Nations and in doing that He's picked Billy Vanapola. He's picked his players that were that got into a World Cup final in 2019, which is nearly two years ago. So if you asked him, he'd be like, "Now, nah, mate, not bothered, mate. Mate, I'm only concerned about England against USA in the summer, mate, where I've got to pick everyone that everyone wants me to pick, but I can't pick them because, you know, if they don't fit Eddie's way, i want to phone fares and see if he wants to play on tour in England and in South Africa. But you sat there going, look at all the players now that have got to play for England this summer. You know, you look at Marcus Smith, he hasn't picked him. Worldy. Dan Robson, hardly picked him. Phenomenal at the weekend. Um, You know, you expect him to be first choice. Maybe, or maybe he's just going to stick with Ben Youngs, even though Ben Youngs has pulled himself out of the Lions tour. So, yeah, I mean, is Eddie Jones watching it going, fuck you, Warren Gatland? Um, Or is Warren Gatland going back to Eddie Jones and saying, fuck you, Eddie Jones, this is who I'm picking. I don't know, but it's funny, isn't it? For everyone that's been saying you've got to pick Sam Simmons for England, that he gets the ultimate accolade of being picked for the British and Irish Lions so I'm, I'm really pleased with Sam
1: we're not going to ask you to pick your starting 15 just yet but are there any nailed on starters do you think
0: I don't think there's that many to be honest um, and I went through it the other day I think you know, in the backs really I think Connor Murray at nine and Jim Jim can do the forwards but Connor Murray at nine I think he's at the minute nailed on Stuart Hogg at fullback I think he's nailed on Robbie Henshaw in the centre apart from that who knows <laughs>
3: what's really interesting will be the second row back row makeup. he'll obviously go for a big six i.e. a Ty Byrne an Ian Henderson a Courtney Laws or a Mara in that six role you have to against South Africa you've got to have a big heavy pack what about me tweeting Wynne Jones for the Lions after the second or third Welsh game and everyone was laughing like with the laughing emojis (laughs) who's laughing now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're still going um, on I about think, it Jim I think I think Wynn Jones will start uh, Jamie George Ty Furlong as it stands I'll put my don't think I, I don't
0: know how you can say Jamie George is right now a definite starter he was poor Set in pace. the Six Nations Set Ken pace. Owens I'd be going Ken Owens ahead of him
3: Alan Wynn Jones will obviously start now as captain Maro Otoji will be in there whether it be a 4 or a 6 I think it'll be a 4 and then it'll be a Laws or Ty Burn. I think Simmons will start and then it'll be between you think Curry, simmons ahead of falatel do you well they might yeah i mean who knows they might put simmons on the bench to come on
0: yeah i think that's the beauty of this squad where there are as it stands now and where there has possibly been issues on other tours going back to certainly 2005 you could name the starting team or pretty close to a starting test team before the squad even left our shores so that's the beauty of this tour and how close it's going to be and um, you know, loads of people have got opportunities to get into that starting test team I think
3: I do think we'll see a couple of other call-ups it'd be interesting yeah. to see if Manu Turalagi can get back fit. obviously Sale in the top four so he'll get some good rugby if he can get back and Jack Knoll potentially
1: do you think there's anyone being selected that has been selected for tourist value?
0: No I, think, no I think some people might not have got picked because of perhaps their persona
3: yeah I agree
0: you know you look at and you know I'm English but you look at the way some of the England boys sometimes carry themselves and you know you've seen Gats the whole Carl Sinclair thing Um, you know when he was head coach of Wales he's openly said Carl Sinclair's a ticking time bomb so we're just going to wind him up he apologized for saying those comments later but they're actually true to his mind and lo and behold what happened Carl Sinclair got wound up had to be substituted Wales gone and win the game and that was the 2019 Six Nations so not that long ago look at Billy Vanapola and here's one for you And I don't know whether many people have seen this or not. People are like, oh, Billy's really unfortunate not to get picked. Billy's comments after the Lions toured New Zealand in 2017 was... If Eddie Jones had been coach, we'd have won that series (laughs) 3-0. You ain't ever getting picked for the Lions while Warren Gatlin's head coach. And that's, you know, that's a fact of life. Um, You know, if you make comments against a coach that could affect you further down the line, he perhaps hasn't picked some players because of those things. But I I don't think he's picked anyone just just for token. You're a top tourist value at all, really.
3: Live by the sword and die by the sword. Luckily, I don't own a sword. That is going to go down in history as one of the greatest quotes ever. (laughs) What, that luckily Jim
0: Hamilton doesn't own a sword?
3: Exactly. In <laughs> the opinion of what a sword looks like.
0: <laughs> hey,
1: peace. Well, let's move on to what went down at the stoop, shall we,
0: Goody? What an unbelievable game. In terms of attacking rugby, um it was basically Marcus Smith against Dan Robson. And it was, a you know, obviously I wanted Wasp to win. Of course I did. But for anyone watching that game... How you cannot be excited watching it is beyond me. It was the skill levels on show. You know, defence was optional at times for for both teams, but some of the tries were unbelievable. The intensity, um, just the pace that they like, oh, played. Jim, we'd have been blown out our hoops after about five minutes in those days. The game has changed so much, hasn't it?
3: Well, it looked hot, and you mentioned Dan Robson, who I thought was phenomenal. He genuinely looked like he had sunstroke. I don't know whether it's how long he's had been bowled for and how long he's had no air for. I think it's been a while. <laughs> But he was looking hot and out of breath. And I was thinking, if he's looking hot and out of breath, most of us would struggle. But I agree. I thought it was a proper game. And obviously, there's talking points in that. The red card, I thought Wasps were going to run away with it, Andrew. I really did. But they've got a bit of backbone, mate. To go down to 40 men with Mike Brown's red card, fair play to them. Because I thought Wasps looked all over them from large parts of that game.
0: Yeah, they did. And, uh, you know, the red card, Wasps, That you know, it was a big turnaround because Quinns went the length and, and scored. It got pulled back for Mike Brown's stamp on uh, Tommy Taylor, which, you know, And I, I sit there and I go, you know, is it unfortunate? You know, was Tommy holding him?
3: Doesn't matter. It's red. Uh, yeah. He's had the red miss there. That's yeah. it, full stop. Yeah. It, it's pointless uh, trying try to, s- look. So it's, it's pointless deliberate. saying...
0: I don't believe Mike Brown would have thought to deliberately stamp on his head but he is I think he's deliberately trying to stamp on him somewhere you know put his boot on him somewhere and it's unfortunate it's gone on his head and his eye and it's really dangerous you know he could have lost his sight in his eye to be fair but Yeah, I mean, anyone that's now saying, you know, you just hope they go soft on him so he can get a a, a Quinn's farewell, it's just just crazy. You know, it's a stamp. It's land on his head. It's ridiculously reckless. Do I think he deliberately tried to stamp on his head? No. Do I think he deliberately tried to stamp on him because the red mist came out? Yes. So, therefore, you have to accept the consequences. And, um, you know, I think a long ban's probably coming for it. But, you know, Wasps should have. They had an eight point lead. They should have. Cleaned out Quinn's at that point, but switched off defensively a few times, gave a couple of dumb penalties away, which allowed Quinns some territory. And then Marcus Smith, what a world he ever played. He's won their last two games for Harlequins. And you talk about big moments and small moments. He's won Harlequin's last two games after the buzzer with a try himself. You hope he's going to play for England this summer now. Here's your opportunity. We don't need to play George Ford against USA. Just give Marcus Smith the reins because, you know, he's so exciting. He's got game management. He's got a box of tricks that, for me, no other player, apart from maybe Cipriani and his pomp, has probably had in the Premiership over the last however many years. And he is managing that Harlequins team into the top four. And and who knows for him, really? Because he is producing magic week in, week out.
1: Well, we spoke to Chris Harris briefly about it, but Gloucester going to Northampton and winning 31-7 was a bit of a surprise, wasn't
3: it? Yes, it was. Uh, Comfortable, comfortable win. Gloucester look really good. It's been coming, like Chris said. Like they've narrowly lost a few games this season, and it's been frustrating if you're a Gloucester fan to watch them. And obviously, I've got a few mates there. My best mate, Rayvo's arm, is the team manager. You know, Alex Brown. We both speak about George Givington in high regard, but the results haven't been there for Gloucester have they? especially in the early part of the season. But I know Northampton had a week off, but physically, physically, Gloucester looked brilliant. They. Yeah. You, you know, the way that they carried, um, the way that they're led with Lu- Lewis Ludlow, Little Chief, um, the physicality, Route 1, Lewis Reese turning up, having just got the big news, he could have Wheels! Just w- ridiculous. Um, so for me, it has been coming. I did not think... I didn't think they were going to win at, at Northampton because the way that Northampton were playing, but they, they were passing
0: set-piece as well, didn't they?
3: Yeah. So, and you know, George Skiverton has brought that in, similar to Borthwick at Leicester, that's the kind of foundation. Ed Slater's huge for Gloucester.
0: Yeah. Huge. What I loved was Chris Boyd is uh, his explanation of the game. He said, "Oh, in England, you take your dog for a walk. You carry a plastic bag and you put some stuff in it. We had a big bag of whatever's the stuff in it. Basically, he's saying they were absolute dog shit, um, and they had a ma- they were basically a big bag of dog shit, uh, which I quite liked really. Um, and Saints, it's really frustrating for them because you're thinking they should." Possibly win that home game against Gloucester to put pressure on Quins. Um, you know, for their game on Sunday against Wasps, they lose, so that releases a bit of pressure on Quins, who are worth four points ahead of them. And then Quinns go and win it at the death and get a five-point victory over over Wasps, and the they gap's down nine points. Which, you know, with four games left, I think the top four is probably done and dusted now. And and that is a big slip up for Northampton.
1: Bristol secured their spot as well with a big win against Bath.
0: Silly really good. Bristol are, uh, you know, they, they were 15 nil down as well, Bristol were, uh, a, a bit of opportunism from Bath, and it's their biggest ever win at the wreck as a club from their nearest and dearest rivals, so yeah, just their whole, the way they play, Malin's, how could he? like, all I'm Hold thinking, every, every time I see him now, all I'm thinking is Jim says he's got an absolute dad bod. Yeah, he gl- he glides, doesn't he? And, he? and he you know he makes breaks. Piattel was a worldie. He's got a dad bod with no
3: kids. That's even worse.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, uh, you know they dominated set piece. Obviously, Sinclair got man of the match. Played exceptionally well. You know they were powerful. It, 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 the list goes on. They they were back to their best. They've been schooled. You know they got schooled by Exeter a little bit um, a couple of weeks ago, which I, I remember saying. Patlam wouldn't have minded it because they had the, the comfort of being at the top. And it also is a bit of a wake-up call. But they go down to, to Bath and, and just dominated them, didn't they, really? And uh, it was a comfortable all-court victory. Um, you know They can play the razzmatazz. They can do the, the nitty-gritty hard stuff. Dominated the, the breakdown as well with some counter-rocking. But one of the things I've got, an issue with counter-rocking, and you always see it, Jim, and you'll be a complete nose around this. So there's a lot of times Bristol are counter-rocking and going through over the ball off their feet. Yeah, and then a Bath player comes in and ends up off his feet, seeing off, and the penalty Sealing. goes against. Yeah, penalty goes against Bath. Surely, if you counter rucking, you've got to stay on your feet, right?
3: Yeah, there's not many of us that can do it where you can go in at such a low level at really high speed and basically (laughs) hold your feet. It's a really difficult skill to do. So, it's uh, again, it's one of the things, unless the referees talk about it before and they pick it up. But, yes, it's difficult to counter. I and not be on your hands, Andrew. That is why um,
1: there's not many people that can do it. And just looking at the table, with the top eight now qualifying for the Champions Cup, even Newcastle, that are on 35 points, could overtake Leicester... Who are on eight who are an eighth on thirty-eight points. So anyone could get in really, couldn't they?
3: Well, we should give Newcastle a shout out. I don't think that I don't think I've ever seen Newcastle score fifty odd points.
0: Two thousand six was the last time they did it, James.
3: Black and white TV. Well there you go. So <laughs> a special shout out to them. I mean, look, let's let's be honest, the standard of rugby in the Prem this season, and we can say there's no fans. Anyway, talking to fans, fans back in the stadium from Monday, how good is that gonna be? There we go. You can hug people, but don't hug them, but eat out, but do eat out, but don't. Um, but the standard of rugby, I know, but the standard of rugby in the Prem has been brilliant. Exceptional. Yeah. And, and everyone, anyone we've spoken to or had on, uh, or you listen to on BT Sports say, like every game, we'll look at Northampton Gloucester, for example. We'll look at Newcastle, putting 50 points on, um, on London Irish.
0: And while we're talking about the Falcons, anyone listening to this, do yourself a favour. And as Jim's talking about watching and talking about the quality of it, have a look at the highlights of Newcastle against Irish. The ball skills of some of the forwards. I used to play with donkeys like you, Jim, who couldn't catch, couldn't pass, just went to but get a to
3: the cowshed. Some back.
0: <laughs> exactly. Driving all and kick someone in the head and play on. Um, mate, the ball skills of forwards now are just a different breed, aren't they? You watch some of the ball handling and the way Newcastle played in the second half. I think Irish were 15, 14 up at half time. And then Newcastle go on to literally pull their pants down and put 50 points on them it was phenomenal and just seeing the speed the you know the skill level Newcastle were, were were outstanding and that top eight battle was going to be interesting because I suppose with with Leicester they've got kind of a double shot at it so who knows lots of ruggers to go I think London Irish are on a kind of slippery slope out of the top eight potentially
1: right let's finish things off with the good the bad and the ugly
0: yeah loads of good this weekend and we're going to start off in the southern hemisphere and it was back Jim One of our favourite people, one of our favourite coaches. He was breakdancing again. Scotty Robertson, what a legend. The Crusaders have won their fifth Super Rugby on the spin, beating the Chiefs 24 points to 13 in Super Rugby Ateroa. Um, Scotty Robertson just breakdancing for fun.
3: He's like a brother to me, isn't he? And for those of you who haven't seen it, it went viral on my social media, at Jim Hamilton 4. You go through the archives, I might even post it again. Um, Yeah, we've done a bit together. He gave me a beat. I, I hit the floor, couldn't get back up and I watched him do it again <laughs> at the weekend. What an absolute legend. I would run through a dance floor for that man, start bolt naked. I would, lads. I would. I would.
0: With your little todger hanging out everywhere.
3: Uh, well, it, arguably, it could be cold in there. It probably is cold. Let's say it is cold and yes, it would be.
0: yeah L of, a, uh, L of a win for the Crusaders again, and staying down in uh, the Southern Hemisphere. Brad Thorne's Queensland Reds uh, won Super Rugby AU, beating the Brumbies 19-16 in the final. James O'Connor scored a try in the 84th minute to win the game. Um, So uh, 42,000 fans watched that. I'm just watching it going... The world looks normal. Uh, what else was good? Uh, we mentioned them just now. Gloucester. Uh, no one saw them going to Franklin's Gardens and pulling Saints pants down 31-7, but they did. Uh, two tries to Lewis rees Zamet as well, so well done all the Gloucester boys. Uh, Bristol's. Biggest ever away win at their nearest and dearest in their rivals Bath, beating them 40 points to 20. Uh, what else was good? Newcastle Falcons. Always got to get my old clubs in there. They racked up their biggest score in the Premiership since 2006, scoring 50, uh, 52 against London Irish. A uh, hell of a performance from those boys. What else was good? The Quins versus Wasps game was an absolute howitzer of a game. 94 points, Quinns winning it, 48-46. Defence at times was optional, uh, but it was basically Marcus Smith against Dan Robson Two Unbelievable performances from those boys and fair play to Quinns for getting the win at the death, uh, looking like they have secured their top four spot now. But the good this week goes to my man, I am chairman. I am captain of the Sam Simmons bandwagon. Oh, okay. Oh, not you, Jim. Not you, Jim. No, Sam Simmons gets the good this week. Named by Warren G. Warren Gatland in the Lions squad on Thursday. Two tries on Saturday to equal the most tries in the Premiership season for a forward. Uh, so he's equal Thomas the Tank Waldron's effort of 16 uh, one to go to take the overall record so uh hell of a week for Sam Simmons getting picked for the Lions and scoring a couple of tries so the good goes to Sam Simmons uh, the bad few bits of bad uh, we're going to start off in Ireland Ulster skid marks everywhere you see it Jim?
3: no but I could smell them
0: yeah, there you go. They lost 38-10 at Munster. An absolute hammer in there. Uh, we mentioned it just before. Bath's biggest ever defeat at home to Bristol. 40 points to 20, even though they were 15 nil up. So effectively, they lost probably 60 minutes. What did they lose, Jim? If they were 15 nil up and the score was 40-20 at the end, they lost the next 60 minutes, 40 points to...
3: I, I, I don't even know. Okay.
0: 5 40 points to 5 yeah 20 minus 15 is 5 Jim um, so yeah they they got spanked there Saints as well pretty bad love the way Boyd said it was unacceptable and basically dog shit um, what else was bad Worcester Warriors I have to get another mention of the bad can you imagine this Jim they lost to Exeter which is okay because Exeter are a decent team but they've now lost 15 premiership games on the spin that they've actually played in so they got gifted a couple of wins because of Covid but 15 on the spin that they've played in. They won their first game of the season against Northampton at Northampton in the Premiership and they've lost every other game they've taken the field on since. How bad's that? One man
3: to blame. One man to blame, Chris Ashton. There's, yeah. There's no Ashton. other man. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so they get another mention in the bad. Um, Claremont. Uh, they get a mention in the bad this week. They had their pants pulled down in Paris against Racing, losing 45 points to 19. Uh Finn Russell back pulling the magic for wrestling 92 and Claremont had a pretty strong team out as well. So that'd be disappointing for them, but the bad this week, just gonna throw it out there. I'm going to go to the Irish press. I'm going to give it to the Irish press this week. The bad, um, they've had a pop at Warren G Warren Gatland. They've gone absolutely, (laughs) they've gone absolutely loopy over his selection because the eight Island players selected by Warren Gatland is the lowest it's been for donkey's year's for a Lions tour. So the Irish press have gone to town on him. And I think there's a bit of bitterness there from the Irish people to Warren G. Uh, yeah, I know he coached. Yeah, there is a bit of history. So, um, yeah, I just... I'm, I'm all for a bit of love for Warren Gatland. I love the squad. The bad this week goes to the Irish press for basically hammering Warren Gatlin's selection. Ridiculous.
3: And basically, it all comes down to this emotion and everything that we're seeing over the weekend and in Ireland... It's all to do because no one can believe that the Scotland players are in there. This is what it is. (laughs) They're like, they ain't good enough and they don't know what to do apart from get emotional about it. So,
0: (laughs) Eight Scots. Well done, Jim. Uh, Then the ugly, Uh, the ugly, few bits of ugly. Will Addison, dangerous shoulder to the head of Shane Daly for Ulster. Tucked arm straight in the head. Absolutely crazy. So there's a big bang coming, I think, for Will Addison. On that same note, I implore people to Google the tackle by Bernard Foley this weekend. Uh, playing out in japan for kubota flying shoulder to the head of louis Nayata. eight picks up from the base five meter scrum he has flown into him bernard foley's jumped into the tackle and slammed him straight in the head Uh, so that's a definite red card as well the ugly this week has to go to mike brown uh, for the stamp on the head of tommy taylor some people say it's unfortunate i think he stamped on him deliberately i don't think he's probably meant to stamp on his head but you reap what you sow. If you go stamping, you run the risk. Very reckless. And that, my friend, is going to be a big ban.
1: Thanks, Scooty. And you got a shout-out to finish off with, don't you, Jim?
0: Yeah,
3: big shout-out to Jeremy Darbeni. And you'll be interested in this one, Andrew. Uh, he's on, cycling
1: then. around the UK to find
3: the best British breakfast.
0: Gerald's cross, Pablo, when he comes back. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, you've heard it here. Pablo's back from furlough very soon, so you can pop in there. But it's all in aid of two amazing charities the Moto Neuron Disease MND Association and the Brain Tumor Charity. He and his sister Jess lost both their parents, their mum to motor neurons disease and dad to brain tumor. Very, very sad. So, their charity is close to their hearts. Uh, Jeremy's already raised over £8,000 and he set off on the 17th of May with all the progress documented on his Instagram at Tour de Full English. Get it, Andrew? Tour de Full English. Yep, so just check that out and his fundraising page on virginmoneygiving.com if you want to help them
0: out. I'm telling you now, I'm following that and I'm going to try and find out where he's going because I want to get my bike and have a full English with him. Tour de Full English, how good's that? Very good. good. luck, very Jeremy. Good. We'll f- I'm going to follow we'll and let's see if we can hook up on, you know, i just have five fried eggs in the morning. That's fine.
1: Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, producer Tim. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube as well. And head on over to Spotify and we'll see you there.
3: Regulate Rugby Pod. Spotify Pod Pod Pod
0: Pod Pod Pod. <laughs>